Welcome back to the podcast. This week's guest is David Stevens of up and coming Scottish band Dove. I spoke to David about his music career to date, his early life growing up, and what he's doing now, which includes cutting hair for a living. David was a fantastic guest, and if you get the chance, you should go and check out his band Dove. I'll post all the links to his band in the show notes so as you can check them out. I hope you all enjoy the podcast. And I'll be back again soon with another fantastic guest. Right. Thank you very much, David Stevens, frontman of Dove. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. We'll just get a wee chat about your life growing up, how you got into music, and where you see yourself going, blah, 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 all that shit. Brilliant. So, Sounds great. Fire away, tell us about yourself, what life is like for you growing up. Um, well, I was, I was always somebody that was kind of interested in music, even when I was quite young. Um, so we've grown up in that kind of musical family as well. So my mum sings, um, both my grandparents were singers on my mum's side, and my great-grandfather as well, he's... Sort of totally different style right enough. He was more of like a sort of Harry Seacombe kind of character. Right. Um, but but this big massive voice is that um, like my gran, she was in I like soul and Motown. Mm-hmm. Um and my granddad, he was like a massive Johnny Cash and Roy Orbison fan. So that's where I, I got those influences from. Yeah. But uh, growing up, music was on all the time, all the time. Um, in the house, if it wasn't like sort of old school rock and roll, it was like soul, Sam Cooke and stuff like that, you know. Um, and Nina Simone it was brilliant. They're really all, all brilliant musicians as well. It's a, and for a young boy at that age as well, it's, a, it's maybe a bit different to hear that sort of music. So, what sort of music was in at that time? <laughs> What sort of stuff was I into? Well, you, you and your friends, obviously. What sort of? Oh, it was mental. It was like my mates were all listening to absolute terrible stuff. It was like Westlife and that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my sister and me, we were uh, two years and five days apart. So on our birthday, on the 14th of July, it was like Westlife, Boys Zone, the Venga Boys, mm-hmm. Steps. Whereas came my birthday and I'm sitting there listening to Kenny Rogers or something. <laughs> she hated it. <laughs> uh, I disowned uh, Jim Reeves' album in the house that I got off my granddad. I used to play it back to front all the time. So it was great. Country yeah. music was just something that I found fascinating. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had, a, I had a next door neighbour. She was the same age as me. She was in the same class as me at school and we, we, our, our families were were close and she was right into Elvis yep. uh, and I thought it was like Aye. an uncool thing to, to like it that time. I was into Britpop and <laughs> Elvis and she like no kind of Elvis is brilliant and I mean Elvis is I can't believe how much of the smashed oh, past so um, I might Aye. need to start going see if I can get some of the records to, to give a world <laughs> Definitely. I've got some in the cupboard. You could, you're welcome to them. Like, mm-hmm. um, that was another thing, like, growing up, I ended up getting all these 
records and stuff, like my stepdad's auntie, she was a bit of a hoarder, um, as was his granddad. So he um, used to convert vinyl to tape, right. all this stuff. He had, had these big reels in the house and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've ended up with all these sort of original first edition Elvis records for like Sun Records and stuff. It's brilliant. I don't play them anymore, like, because I'm always scared I'll scratch them or something. Yeah, I mean, like, must be, it's just class to have a physical that. thing. Yeah. What's that? It must be worth a little bit. Stuff like that. Aye, yeah, it will be. It'll be. Um, yeah. it's, it's one of the things. I'm a massive Elvis fan. I always kind of was. And then sort of growing up, meeting pals as well that were really interested in that stuff, like Darren Forbes, the Shambolics. He's mm-hmm. a massive Elvis fan. Neil lived, you know, a couple of streets away. So we used to sit in the summer with a guitar and learn these songs. And um, before he played played guitar, he used to come around and oh, come play that song again. You know, that's all right, <laughs> man. I'm a mystery train. Um, and then it wasn't long after that he was dying to play. So got him kitted out. He had an old acoustic up the attic. We sat and restrung it one summer's day in the house. Brilliant. And got, him, got him sorted. Brilliant. So, obviously, mm. at school and stuff like that, then, what were your aspirations? Did you did you know early on that you wanted to get into music and play music? Um, I always wanted to sing. It was, it was one of them. I, I definitely knew that I wanted to sing, but I didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. It was one of them. Um, so, I ended up, like, just dodging away, sort of singing at family parties and stuff when I was a kid. Right. And, um, I never really thought much of it until uh, I ended up randomly, one of my mates played drums. So I went to the, the YMCA then in Kirkcaldy and decided, right, what's this all about? And met, um, met a guy called Mark Burdett right. that I play, I play in a duo with sometimes as well. Mm-hmm. And it was literally, it was, well, if he's a looking start a band, somebody needs to sing. Um, a couple of my mates had maybe heard Taylor, you know, he sings sometimes in the house or whatever. So I was chucked in at the deep end, right, you're the singer then. Uh, but we're going to get you playing guitar as well. So I met Mark, that was about 15 years ago. I was only 12. And uh, that was it. So I ended up going every every week, twice a week, taking guitar lessons off him, learning, learning the craft and going for it um, and he's still he's like my best mate now it's crazy yeah I mean I see your post nearly nearly every week you're, you're playing with him nearly every weekend or whatever ah, definitely and I'm still to see someone that's he'll never say it but he's probably the best musician I've ever met yeah like, but he's so modest and humble but he's a great guy really talented Cover any genre you like, he can play it, and he can play it exceptionally well. But um, he was a massive influence as well. Like, uh-huh. just, you know, taught me a lot of things, not even just how to play guitar and, you know, bits and pieces of singing and stuff, but just how the industry sort of works and how it can be um, the greatest place on earth, but it could always also be, like, the worst place on earth sometimes. Yeah, oh, definitely. Be careful of certain things and stuff because he'd been through it all himself. Mm-hmm. You know? So is he, is he a bit older than yourself? Yeah, Mark will be uh, 
He's, uh, he's a bit older than me. I better not tell you his age, he'll probably kill me. He's, <laughs> but, uh, uh, he's a great guy, really great guy. And, you know, he's originally from Leeds as well, but he moved up here when he was in his early 20s. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, he was sort of, he had a management deal and stuff at the time, and he was going to South by Southwest in America and he was playing up and down the place. Um, he later went on to, to, to be in a band called Brady Cole that supported the Foo Fighters and stuff a few times. And right. He's he's done it all. Like He's been all over the place playing. Um, yeah. it, it, it must be good to have somebody like that then that you can kind of get definitely, yeah. and bounce ideas off you and stuff. Definitely. He, he never, um, you know, he's quite an open book in that sense. He would let me pick his brains about anything. Mm -hmm. um, and that's it's really handy as you say to have somebody like that that you can depend on if you get stuck in a bit of a, a ruckus you know ask him a bit of advice and nine times out of ten he's got the answer um, <laughs> usually tell him where to go <laughs> okay, I, that, that's brilliant so first steps into music then obviously you kind of you started this what when did the what happened first? Then just were you doing solo stuff yourself? And I was playing in a band, uh, just with some mates, um, and like we never really thought much of it. We'd done a couple of small gigs, and my first gig was on my own, an acoustic night when I was like, I think I was about thirteen. Um, yeah. Sat there with this big massive guitar, just a wee lad at this acoustic night in the local, and. Um, I think I'd done one of my own tracks. It's called I'll Be There. And I'd, I'd done a Johnny Cash cover. And mm -hmm. <laughs> um, like it was it was relatively busy and everybody was older than me that was playing. There was like people playing like John Martin and stuff, you know, this fancy right. pieces down the new three chords. So it was uh, but I think it was totally different. People I remember people coming up to me and like, Jesus Christ, you're only like a kid. And you've got this old man's voice <laughs> coming out of there. Because it's never really changed. It's always been really deep and older sounding. Uh -huh. um, but I've never really complained about that. I quite like it. Uh, there was people in, in the past just to me, oh, you know, you've got that sort of old school vibrato thing going on. Like, um, it's quite operatic, you know, or uh, it's a bit like, it's like Roy Orbison and Elvis kind of vibe. Aye, yeah, definitely. That's what I like. Oh, no, you need to get rid of that. It is completely different, though. Aye, definitely. And it's something that you stand out. To me, it's not a bad thing. I quite like it. Yeah. If I tried to do anything else, it wouldn't be me. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not interested in sounding like... It, I don't know. Well, like, so what the the only other voice, like you sound like kind of new artist that I think you sound like, and you you covered them in one of your Facebook covers, uh, Johnny Skinner. Johnny Skinner is like Aye. Johnny Skinner is one of the greatest singers I've ever heard, and obviously there's not a lot of people yeah. know much about him, which I think is criminal. He should be Johnny Skinner should be everywhere. So. I mean, how did you come? Johnny's the man. Is um, that just through gigging that you you knew, hey Johnny? 
No, it's a really strange story. Um, so, one of my good friends, uh, Callum Trainer, mm-hmm. he's sort of he's pretty much ran the five scene for years. Yeah, uh, PJ Malloy's and you know putting on bands and giving me some amazing opportunities over the years um, to support like Blossoms, Catfish and the Bottle Men, Glass Vegas. Um, you know, this had this on with loads of different folk. It was brilliant, but it was. Was it last year or the year before? He sent me um, some of Johnny's stuff. He was mm-hmm. like, "Don't tell him I've sent you this because it's like a demo or some." He was like, "But Dov, he says you would, he says uh, you would love this. He says right up your street. He says actually sounds like some of the stuff you do." Yeah. I was like, All right, who's this? So I put it on. Automatically, I was like, "Bloody hell!" So like, where's this guy been? So I ended up linking in with him and stuff on social media and sort of says to him, I was like, get back playing because you've got an incredible talent mm-hmm. that shouldn't be missed, really. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's the same message I send him every six months. Yep. <laughs> I, I'll bet. I'll bet. And we'll not be the only ones that send him it either. But I know he's, he's supporting Glass Vegas, isn't he? At the Battlelands. Yeah. Yeah, on the seventeenth of December. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's right. Yeah, that'll be incredible. I had uh, Rab Allen on the podcast mm-hmm. 10-15 episodes back, and I I mentioned it to him as well. I says if if Johnny Skinner's not gonna do solo gigs, is there any chance that he could just become like the fourth member of Las Vegas? I think he would. He would suit that so yeah. well too. So, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with that. Aye, Rob's brand new as well, eh? What a guy! Yeah. Um, they're probably one of the nicest bands we've ever supported. For Las Vegas, mm-hmm. really accommodating, and uh, their parents and stuff as well. Lovely people. Yeah, it, it seems like a a big family. A family yeah. band. When you I, I seen a picture of them, it was like an anniversary, uh, like five years ago or something, and mm-hmm. the full touring, like everybody that was involved, it, it just looked like a big family. Oh, so, definitely. Yeah, and that's a good way to have it. Good way to have it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're they're really good lads. You know, if whatever in Glasgow and stuff, Rab and stuff, sometimes popped in. Um, just my brand new. Yeah. I used to get them mixed up all the time, Rob and James. <laughs> it was terrible. It was really bad. It was, it was quite embarrassing, actually, outside. They came, uh, Rob came and seen us playing in broadcast in Sockey Hall Street. I must have called him James about five times before he told me he was a idol. They bothered. His name's Rob, so. <laughs> 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 that's, that's just me doing a tea. I'm actually terrible with names. I bump into people all the time and they're like, Oh, aye, how's it going? And I'm like, aye, no bad, pal, mate. How's it going, buddy? Aye, everything. I'm like, who the hell are they? And then I'll bring my mate over and I'm like, aye, uh, should introduce yourself. And I'm like, oh, aye, hi, my name's Stuart or whatever. And I'm like, that's great, right? Kind of mastered getting around it now. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of the same as that. I've done, done it to the same guy twice in the, the space of a weekend. I don't, I've, I've never recognised him on the Friday. I made mm-hmm. a little arse of myself and I, I kind of, I got up the road and I thought, like, oh, I know, know who that is. And I messaged him and said, well, I'm really sorry. I was just kind of a bit away with it. And then 
two days later, I was out in the pub and he came up and shook my horn and I was like, mate, I don't know who you are. And it was <laughs> the, the same guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I... Uh, I said that to somebody once and they told me I was arrogant and rude. I was like, I just can't remember everybody's day, mate. I would, I would take any offence to that. I meet hundreds of folk every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like, if I'm gigging or whatever, there's a room full of, don't know, see, I'm like a minimum of 50 folk. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to remember everybody. Um, unless they make a lasting impression by, I don't know, doing a backflip or something. Yeah, but you, yeah. Yeah. I'm terrible so, with names. Well, obviously, I mentioned the, the Facebook covers. You you seem to be doing a lot of them. I don't yeah. know if during lockdown, you were doing like maybe one a week, and they were Roy Orbison, yeah. Cash, stuff like that. Uh, how did that get done? Yeah, I went through a lot of different... I really enjoyed it, for a start. Like, a lot of people have said to me, oh, you know, got me through lockdown with a the truck you're putting up and your live sessions and stuff. But, um, and that's really appreciated because that's kind of why I was doing it as well. Because mm-hmm. I knew people were sitting in the house, bored to tears, not knowing what to do with themselves when they would usually be at a gig somewhere. Um, and it was one of my mates said, look, he says, nobody's doing any of these live streams or anything yet. He says, get yourself on it. It took a bit of figuring out, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, but I got there eventually and like just... It was a case of just sitting in the house with my guitar, singing away, sometimes playing a bit of keys or whatever. Had my laptop set up, folk would chuck requests in and whatnot. But um, I, it done me the world of good because I was going daft, sitting in the house, not knowing what to do myself, mm. uh, losing my mind slowly but surely. But it was, I, it was great. And that's kind of been a thing to myself. I'm quite lucky that we've got like social media and stuff. Uh, during that time, it was a really good thing. Yeah. Because um, you were involved in the Look of All Peace thing as well, the, the Sofa Sing Along and stuff like that, weren't you? I mean, that, there was some good Yeah, yeah. That. Aye, that was great. Yeah. Luke's a great lad as well. Um, I remember the first time I heard him in Bathgate, a place called the Arctic. Mm-hmm. Michael Ward put us on the Tijuana Bibles. And Luke opened a gig, and I was like, I'm going to go and watch this guy, see what he's all about. He came up with this big, massive voice. I was like, yeah. Jesus Christ. And I was like, I was absolutely nuts. I was like hearing a, a modern Sinatra or something. Mm. Um, he's a really talented lad. Great vocal. Yeah. I listened to him quite a lot as well. So I messaged him back and forth. But he's a good lad. Really good lad. Touching back on, like, obviously, what you... You said you you started out quite young, like 12, 13, which yeah. seems to be quite common now. Like you get Connor Fife, he's a young boy, kind of, he's been playing gigs for a while. But I can, like, the first kind of young band to come out, can you mind the, the Stripes? They, they yeah, were, aye. I they the stripes, seem to be yeah. the first one. And then we've got, there seems to be a lot more of it happening now. And mm-hmm. there seems to be a lot of, like, the Johnny Cash influence stuff, like Dylan John Thomas has done that and kind of what we've all done extent in yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. so do you think that kind of lends itself? Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash songs quite easy to kind of get your head in? And... Definitely. It's a story. So I think the easy part is learning the song because there are only ever three chords. 
mm-hmm. which is fine, you know, and they're relatively easy to play. But it's, it's just getting behind the getting behind the lyrics and actually meaning like trying to tell that story that he's telling. Yeah, because it was never really about the music. It was all about the lyrics and the mm-hmm. you know the vocal for him. Um, but it is, it is quite easy to do. <coughs> but he's, I think a lot of people are going back to that sort of the roots, uh, sort of this 50s, 60s music. Yeah, it, um, it's definitely all the rage at the moment. It's it's definitely coming back. Yeah. Yeah. So, I would say to people as well, if they want to be, a, if they want to sing or whatever, that in order to be a decent singer, you need to listen to decent singers, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, um, one of the guys in the band, I've been helping him a bit with some singing and stuff, and he's saying he's like, I, uh, what about, like, Liam Gallagher was an amazing singer in the 90s. It's like, I don't think Liam Gallagher was ever a great singer, if I'm completely mm-hmm. honest. But, <laughs> but he's great at what he does, and getting it across is yeah. great. He was... You know, he's just a working class lad. Yeah, um, I mean, he's brilliant. But I keep saying to him, I'm like, didn't he go out there with a vision to sound like Liam Gallagher? Because there is another million people out there trying to do it. Yeah, yeah. So you need to just be yourself. Liam Gallagher never, you know, he never went out and says, oh, I want to sound like whoever. He's got that John Lennon influence in there. But you know, he kind of done his own thing as well. And that's what made it original. Um, and there's never going to be, like, another Oasis because that's what Oasis were. And they were class. They were brilliant. One of the best bands to come out of Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I always try and say to folk, like, do your own thing. Try and, not, you know, try and sound like someone else because if you're doing that, people could kind of see through it a bit and it comes across a wee bit fake. Yeah, but, definitely. Then again, so do I take my own advice? Sometimes, sometimes not. I'm, <laughs> I'm no kidding you. I've definitely ripped off Springsteen with Backstreets to your mind. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. And I wasn't until I went back and listened through one of his latest albums. I thought, Christ almighty, David, you're, uh, <laughs> you really need to rethink that a wee bit. But... but one of them, you're always going to take influence for your idols. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, like, if you wear your heart on your sleeve with, with the stuff you do, there's, um, of course. there's no shame in showing your influence. No. How did how did then Dove come about? How did that become a thing? Um, so, beforehand, um, I was with a band for about eight years called Oscar Braves. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we sort of we done some amazing stuff, you know, for their first gig was supporting Carfish and the Bottlemen. Um, we played the Blossoms, Father Son, Las Vegas, we were up and down the country, um, playing playing everywhere. And it was it was amazing. It was probably that's what really changed it for me. So when I was younger and stuff, I was sort of trying to fight through for to think, right, how do I actually get onto this sort of gigging scene and music scene that everybody's speaking about. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I tried many different avenues um, and eventually I, I played with a band before 
before Oscar Braves and we supported them. Um, and the guitarist was singing mm-hmm. at the time. And they were called Radio Arcades, Radio Arcades. And that was in that was in the Windsor in Kirkcaldy. Um I heard them, I thought, God, they've got a massive wall of sound that was like U2 or something. It was class, absolutely brilliant, very 80s influenced. Um and then we ended up supporting them again um, in PJs and Dunfermline at PJ Malloy's. And it wasn't long after that, it was maybe about three weeks later, I got a message from one of the guys saying, look, I've got you guys in. Do you want to come along for a jam? See what you think of the songs, bring your guitar. So I did, went along. It was great. Um, we managed to nail a set together, got it written. Grant was an amazing songwriter, um, which helped. And I sort of put some melodies in there and stuff. And then that was by February, March, March, April time, we supported Catfish and the Bottlemen. And there was a band dropped out of a competition in Dunfermline called Make Your Mark. So uh-huh. it was like if you won, you got an EP recorded, a tour put together and um, all sorts. But we were just like, everybody was like, who the hell are these guys that have just appeared in nowhere? But we were really lucky. Got ourselves... Everything came together really quickly. We ended up winning it. Um, so that kind of went in our favour. We'd done a tour, got that under our belt, recorded an EP. Um, and, you know, it was brilliant. We just went constant. Kept gigging and gigging and gigging. I took a break for it for a wee while. Um, and then we rebranded for Oscar to Oscar Braves. One of the members left and stuff. He was away to stay with his brother in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we gigged on for, for years to come up until lockdown happened and then after it it was like we, were, we just came to a sort of agreement that it was, we were struggling to make it work um, you know guys were buying houses and having family and stuff and taking over businesses, starting their own businesses and <laughs> I was um and we were all best mates, so it worked out pretty well. But I've always been one of these crazy musicians that puts music before everything in life. I've seen myself <laughs> <laughs> leaving jobs for to go and play gigs and all sorts. And to be fair, I, I don't regret any of it. So that's that's uh, that's definitely my life. That's all all that I really enjoy. That's I'm at my best when I'm on stage. Or writing. Yeah. So I think I wouldn't change any of it for the world, that's for sure. That I mean that's quality. Obviously, the first time I seen you was supporting the Paddingtons. Um Aye, that's I, right. Yeah. I was lucky enough to I was lucky enough that I was there early and I came in and mm-hmm. obviously I'd never heard of these, I'd never heard the uh, barrel of biscuit either. But Aye. to like I came in and I, I seen your set and blown away by the voice in the kind of the performance on stage. That's why I wanted to speak to you. Just like, but for seeing that, it, it it made me a fan of the band. So I, I learned. As I say, I learned my craft during Oscar, in Oscar Braves, working with Grant Allen um, and the rest of the lads. The, the Connors and Andy and stuff and Ross was probably 
what taught me a lot. Uh-huh. Taught me a lot about being a front man, a lot about being a singer, but pushing myself to the, you know, like oh, those times I used to really push the vocal. I made I made the melody lines incredibly hard for myself, but I knew it was going to work better work better in the long run. So I I did made my voice a lot better than it was. I was pushing myself to the limit, but every time you know, the more I practiced, the better it, better it became, the stronger it got. Um, and then, as I say, after after um, we decided to call it a day, I started started Dove. So originally it was just me, me, myself and a guitar. Um, and I managed to get one gig under my belt. Just, um, when was that? That was just before lockdown, I think. And it was um, sporting the Idols front man. Right. Uh, at a Q&A session in Edinburgh, at Dr. Bell's Baths. That was Michael Ward again. Got me that. Mm. Um, that was a great night. And that let me sort of play the songs and hear them to an audience kind of thing, seeing what they thought. It went down incredibly well. And then it wasn't long after that, it was like sort of my, some of my mates were saying, look, it'd be good to, do you fancy having a, like a guitar player, and drummer and bass player? I mm. said, like, definitely, this would be brilliant. So I went for that, it's a full band. Um, there's been small lineup changes but it was just mainly because it was never like fallouts or anything, because we're all really chilled. Like, yeah, there's any more laid back at the line, then man, it's mental. But <laughs> that, seems to be, that seems to be the thing with all you guys in Fife. You saw, seem to kind of jump about band to band. Obviously, when I was talking to talking to Craig on the podcast, and he was mm-hmm. telling me all about Twins Town and all these uh-huh. bands sharing members and all that. So, yeah. Um, it's, um, but that that kind of goes into the scene and how you all kind of help one another. Definitely. We connect really well. We get on great. And it was always just like, you know, these guys were in other bands and stuff and they were quite busy. And I didn't ever want to take that away from them. So um, I ended up with a new guitar player, Kia. He only started playing last year and... I decided when I decided to start giving them lessons every week <laughs> during the summer holidays when I was off work. Um, so I thought, right, let's just... He really was dying to be in a band. He was like, right. I really want to play guitar and I want to be in a band. I was like, well, let's go. So I've got a tour booked for October. You better get, your, get yourself working hard, eh? So every day, <laughs> almost, I was around his house teaching him guitar, getting video calls at... Midnight, asking about how to play certain chords and whatever. And, but, you know, he, he'd done it. And that was from July. And then he came and we'd done a... I think we'd done six or seven dates uh, in the UK. I think we were in Liverpool, Manchester, Middlesbrough, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Dundee, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great. <laughs> you know, it was really strange when I look back to it now because you would never have thought that he just started playing. It was incredible. That's crazy. Uh, it's testament to you then about how well you've taught him then. Uh, I'm not the best guitar player in the world at all. I'm I'm not the best guitar player. I just, I don't know, I think I've just got a lot of patience for people. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Sometimes maybe too much, Martin, if I'm completely honest with you. Uh, but I am I'm a very laid-back person, very chilled. I never get involved in any dramas because I don't really care for it. Um, and a lot of people will say to me, ah, oh, but you're like the front man in that. I'm like, ah, but I'm not here to tell people what to do. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm as much a part of the band as the rest of them are. Because they're all really talented guys. Yeah. Um, like Lewis, the lead guitar player, he's absolutely incredible. Who's that? Um, Believe it along here. Yeah, hi, Lewis Monka. Yeah. He's he's nuts. Like even last night, um, he was tearing out some bits and pieces, and I just thought, Jesus Christ, you know, he's he's got it down to a T. Um, he's an incredible player. And then Kier, he plays acoustic and rhythm guitar. Um, he's only been playing for like a year. It's brilliant. Bass player Tom, he's the latest addition. Um, he's he comes from a background of being in. Um, he worked with Louis for Hector Berserk for a long right. time. Yeah, yeah. Um, played bass in Hector Berserk, and I met him at Grant's wedding. The guy that I was in Oscar Braves with, uh, Grant, knew I was looking for a bass player and sat me right next to him at his table. So that was interesting. Uh, got chatting away. <laughs> a week later, he joined the band. So it was it was perfect timing, almost. That's uh, it. It's nice to get a wee kind of history. Oh, definitely. It's like, even down to the drummer, Michael. It was like we were playing a live session and our drummer was moving to Manchester. I've got great luck when it comes to musicians. Uh, <laughs> he was moving to Manchester. So... We were dying to get someday, and it wasn't until I think it was the day before we were doing this live stream thing, and it was on. It was about an hour set. Uh huh. Um, at the Loop, Loop Maniac, and Dunfermline. Yeah. I watched that eventually. Aye, ah, brilliant. Yeah, I, I got in touch with Michael, right. and he was like, "Aye, definitely, I'll do it, no problem." And he's still here a couple of years later, so it's it's, it's worked out for the best. Uh, he's he's incredible. He was exactly what I was looking for as well. You know, I've I've played with a lot of drummers that kind of tickle the kit. Um, he does the polar opposite, and if you're too close, you're going to go deaf. <laughs> 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 but it was what we needed. Eh? It was like you look at um, the drummers for the past, like the E Street Band, for crying out loud. You know, mm. he he puts the sticks through the thing every hit he makes. Incredible, but Michael comes from a past of being in dancing on tables as well. Right, um, he's got some stories about getting drum lessons off of Michael Jackson's drummer and stuff, and <laughs> all this crazy stuff. Um, for eyes, but they're all stand up guys, that's what makes it. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, they're really, really good lads to even sort of sitting right with and stuff as well. Um, I think that's the next plan. Yeah, so ideas for to um, do some writing and stuff over Christmas time and take a wee bit of time before we get back to it next year. Uh, the last gig of the year will be the 26th of November at PJ Malloy's, their headliner. Um, we've got a few mates supporting the Voodoo Pilots and Ben Walker. Right. We met him last week. He's incredible. He's like... Sam Fender sort of thing, but got this big massive voice. He's in, he's really good, really good. Um, so 
Glad I met him. So when when you go into the writing, what what is your your plans? Are you are you looking at another an EP or something like that? Because obviously on Spotify you get free songs on Spotify at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, um, I've just been that. releasing singles so far. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know what it is. I just sometimes I think for now, anyway, I don't want to throw away too much. Um, mm-hmm. I'm quite enjoying just doing it single by single, and then when the right time comes along, I'll maybe do an album or something. Um, Looking forward to so, that. Something to tick off the bucket list, really. Um, uh-huh. I love the idea of albums, really. But I keep getting told, don't do an album. You'll be thrown away songs and stuff. But it's because there's no, there's no, sadly, there's not a lot of people now that are listening to a full album. Mm. Um, but I, I love it. Eh? And uh, sometimes there's just no telling me. I am really laid back. But it's also <laughs> if I've got this, if I've got some in my head, chances are it's going to go ahead. Um, so who, but I, right now, singles seem to be the way forward. Right. So wh- who's g- who's giving you the advice not to release stuff? Is that would that be like guys within the industry? That yeah, just mates and stuff that I've spoken to. Um, that are sort of saying they're like, look, just if you're going to release an album, make sure it's the right time. Uh-huh. Kind of thing, and I've I've had that conversation with myself as well, and thought, is it a good time to release an album? And the answer is no. Um, we've just we're still we're still quite a we're a band in the early stages still. Um, mm-hmm. Although we've kind of got our sound sorted and stuff, I would rather wait until it was a good peak for to to release an album. Cool. Um, I mean. <laughs> If you look back at, I mean, like you mentioned, make or break it. You mentioned Shambolics earlier. Obviously, they they've had they brought out a lot of mm-hmm. music. They brought out a lot of singles. So it's that model's working for them. I take it. So yeah, aye, right. yeah, yeah. So obviously, along with the music, you've been you just started a new venture as well, cutting folks hair. That's it. Here I am as a barber now. So was this because I mean obviously musicians were struggling uh, during during COVID and all that and one of the other industries that was struggling was barbers so did you think fuck it I'll just do the full thing I'll just struggle (laughs) just go completely mental (laughs) Um, pretty much (laughs) so before I was a barber uh, I was a support worker right Um, and like a youth work mentor for young people they were living in poverty and stuff. Um, and it was great, really good, really enjoyed it. It's brilliant, done it for 10 years, you know, for when I was like 17, <clears throat> coming right through to, you know, 27. Um, and my last job was in a local high school as a pupil support officer. And it was incredible, incredible. Some of the things that you see as well are really crazy that are yeah. going on in the world. Um, that could be stopped if that's uh, a whole new story but um, <laughs> I definitely but it came at a time where summer holidays were coming up the school lost £150,000 of their funding um, and it was in, you know one of the most poverty stricken areas in mm-hmm. Fife um, 
and they couldn't keep me on any longer. They were doing away with their support department almost. And I just thought it was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. But it wasn't up to anyone in the school as such. That was, um, this comes for people that are way up high and don't actually see what's going on. Um, It was ridiculous. But I was at that point, you know, it was coming into the summer holidays, so I was going to get paid over the summer anyway. But I thought, right, I've been thinking about barbering for a couple of years um, and it works works hand in hand with the music because you work for yourself. Right. Um, and it was at that time that Cameron Barnes put up a post looking for a, an apprentice barber at his new shop. So I chucked him a message and I was like, right, Cami, any chance of getting me in here? Um, and he phoned me. Like that was at the weekend and he phoned me on the Monday. He was like, all right, you start next week. So that was it. Um, but Again, Cammy's a musician as well. Yeah. He's doing incredibly well. He's all over the show. I think he's just back from Switzerland. He's doing uh-huh. something over there. Um, but he's all over the place all the time. Um, brilliant guy, really sound. Gave me a great opportunity. And he totally understands the music thing as well. He's like, anytime you ever need off for a gig, take it. So his music comes first. That's brilliant, no, isn't it? I mean, it takes this. You can't ask for much more than that, really, can you? Yeah. Um, but that sort of brings me right up to now. Enjoy. How, you, how are you getting on with the haircuts? Are you, are you doing good? Good, I. I've, I've had a load of my mates in. Uh, some of them I never expected to come in because they're like, you know, the lads are uh, maybe really take care of themselves and have been going to the same barbers for years and they've. You know, they would have a, a mental breakdown if, if their haircut got destroyed. <laughs> but the reality is, um, anybody that's ever thinking about becoming a barber is a lot easier than it seems. There's, you know, you're working to... There's a way of doing it. And once you get that nailed into your head, it's all a memory game. Yeah. Um, and everybody's got eyes. Everybody could see if... You know, someone's no right, you could fix it. And you can't muck up a haircut unless you drive the clippers right over their head. Everything can be fixed. <laughs> and I, that's what I was told on day one, and I never believed them. But here I am, I'm only eight weeks in. I think I've done about 20-odd haircuts. And uh, it's like, uh, it's becoming, it's running like clockwork almost now. It's good, it's good fun. Uh, and it's not stressful either. I come well, home. That's brilliant then. All the best with your, your hair cutting. <laughs> it's it's surreal. Like, I never thought I'd uh, ever see the day. But again, that comes to like my great gran was a barber. Uh, she she worked in Kirkcaldy down at the. They had a shop with my great great granddad down at the harbour. Um, and that's. So I used to get when I was like up until I was five or six. She used to cut my hair. Um, then I heard the story like my great granddad used to come off off the boat for the RAF, um, mm. and he used to go in and get his hair cut there. And then he was going all too often every week for his haircut, sometimes <laughs> twice a week. Next thing you know, they got married, and the rest is history. But um, I was I was really interested in it. I think. You know, sorry, I was kind of in the family anyway. It was already a thing. Yeah, that's a that's a brilliant detail. 
So, Aye. obviously, he says your last gig's the 26th of November and PJ yep. Boys. Um, and you're going to be doing some writing, hopefully, at Christmas. And then Definitely. There'll be a new single coming in the new year. That'll be excellent. Uh, one one other question just before, mm-hmm. before we go into your heroes. Obviously, oh, you mentioned um, Callum earlier. I'm mm-hmm. getting Callum on the, the podcast shortly. I've done half an interview with him, so we're waiting to do the other half. Brilliant. Uh, but the same kind of question that I asked Craig, how important is it to have guys like Michael Ward and Callum Trainer, how important is it to have these guys in the music industry? It's absolutely imperative. Um, I wouldn't be where I am, and probably half the guys about here um, in Scotland wouldn't be where they are without people like, without Callum Trainer and Michael Ward. Yeah. Because it's them. They put on some of the, you know, they put on all the unsigned shows. Um, Callum's had all sorts of people through that door. PJ Malloy's, for Lewis Capaldi to Jake Bug, Miles Kane, you know, Jerry Cinnamon. Christ, he's, he's had them all. Um, yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. But he gave us all the opportunities with it as well. So, like, Catfish and the Bottlemen and Blossoms were on tour and they'd be playing at PJ's. He'd be like, ah, I'll give you the support and get you in. Just, you know, and it was incredible to get the shout for that. Um, right through to Las Vegas, you know, he put that on in a different venue and leaving. Mm-hmm. And um, he was like, oh, I've put you down for the support. It was just ridiculous, eh? And then again, Michael Ward, he's had this EH6 festival. You know, this playing all over the shop. Um, introduced me to some great people, you know. Uh, so I met Kyle and stuff through Michael as well. Mm-hmm. Kyle Faulkner, he's Really good, really good person, you know. Learn a lot for these people as well. Yeah. Uh, but they're I mean, definitely they're imperative to have an industry yeah. for young I mean, musicians. Just, they, they, those two guys, I would like to just get a hold of their phones for a day and just go through their contacts. I, I would have everybody on the podcast. I mean, Alan's so well connected and he, I think definitely. he plays it down quite a bit as well. I think he's, He does, he does. Um, he came and stayed with me and his brother uh, during trans, but I'm not kidding. It was probably one of the best weekends I've had in a long time. They're absolutely hilarious. Like sitting watching interviews of the last shadow puppets at six in the morning drinking rum. I kind of liked. <laughs> he just woke up and I was like, Wait a minute, it's your birthday today, Carl. And he was like, oh, Christ, so it is. We may as well have a drink. <laughs> Oh, we've had we've had some brilliant times, you know. And, uh, oh, if I'm coming in and we're all sitting smoking in the band room at PJ's and all sorts, and he's like, oh, I'll just pretend I never saw that. I'll turn the fire alarm off, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But he's oh, brilliant, really good mate as well, really really good friend, and um, Wardy as well. He's absolutely brand new. As I say, like, gave me the first first chance to. <laughs> play the Dove songs in front of people um, uh, and it was supporting the front man idols as well it was incredible so they do they give us a lot of great opportunities but they're, they're great people as well 
Yeah, um, I think if you get the chance, I'd go to Michael's running the songwriting camp with Kyle. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I'm thinking about heading out to that next year as well. So right. I've seen the I've seen the, the Jambolics were there as well, weren't they? Aye, yeah, they were at one of the one of them there. And Cami was out the other week. He was out and said it was incredible. Because I was saying to him, I says, Look, I'm gonna go at some point. Um I'll just get all this barber and stuff sort of tied up and learn my trade a bit first mm-hmm. before I start taking on other things. Um and he came back and said, Definitely get yourself over there. That's an incredible experience. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd like to get Kyle and Wardy on to speak about that on the podcast. I'm trying to get mm-hmm. Kyle for the last two years, trying to get him on a podcast, but he's hard to get. He can't get he's a busy man. Long enough. Uh, so, obviously, you're going out to play a gig just before you go. Uh, the podcast is called Time for Heroes. Mm-hmm. And I ask you to pick four heroes to come for dinner and what you're going to cook them. So... Just what heroes and why are your heroes? And I think I'm, I'm going to enjoy this because I find I'm going to enjoy listening to your heroes. Well, um, number one, I'd invite Roy Orbison just because he's an incredible, he seems like an incredible stand-up guy, mm. um, even though he's probably one of the best singers that's ever walked the earth. Um Number two, George Harrison. Uh, again, seemed like a really nice guy, pretty chilled, uh-huh. liked his garden. Um, see the incredible I mean, see songwriter. The, see the, the shit he put up with as well in the Beatles is like um, oh god, the mighty songs god. that he brought to them and just get discarded. Yeah, but then he released them like in yeah. his solo career. So glad he did because. You know, um, aye, an incredible guy, incredible musician, great songwriter. Just seemed quite chilled. That was it. Yeah. Um, Stir it up a bit, bring it back into the modern day. Someone that's, uh, someone that's not dead. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly Jones for Stereophonics. Right. Um, Again, seems like a really cool character. Pretty chilled, very small guy, eh? but uh, <laughs> what a massive voice comes in yeah. such a small man. This is incredible. Like, I'll speak to mates about it sometimes. Stereophonics are one of these bands that have stood the test of time. Yeah, His vocals never changed in like 25 years. If anything, they've got stronger, I think. Aye, definitely. Um, is it they released that last album there? And it was, uh, there's a track called Running Around My Brain that's mm-hmm. on it. And it's so strange because I listened to the opening riff and I think, Christ, it's ACDC. <laughs> and then he starts singing. But you see him talking about it in interviews all the time. He was massively influenced by them. It was like the yeah. first album he ever bought. Um, but I, I think he's a great guy. Really down to earth. Nice person. Um, and the fourth person that I'd invite to this dinner um, I suppose I'd have to bring Wee Keir along for the band because he absolutely loves and adores George Harrison and I feel like he'd maybe kill me if, 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 he, if I never invited him along. Um, but aye, and what would I cook them? Oh, 
That's a good question. Um, I'd probably make a mistake or something. Something just laid back and easy. It doesn't it take yeah. too long. Uh, you could sit and... Aye, then you'd get all the good chat out of them rather than stand in the kitchen for hours. Yeah, it sounds like a good night. Right, isn't it? Asking questions. Loads of questions. Like the travelling Wilburys. Yeah, well, that's that's where I thought you were going with that. When when you said, oh, aye, definitely. I thought we're going to get the full line-up here. (laughs) Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, Jeff Lennon as well. (laughs) Jeff Lynn, he's a weird one, eh? Christ, he's never (laughs) aged. I yeah, guess the shades are there. Yeah, you, God knows it's lurking behind them. No, oh, I wouldn't even like to know because he's bound to be about 70 and he's never changed since he was about 20. Strange yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. So that's been brilliant. That's, I've took up plenty of time. You're going out to play a gig. Oh, so it's been a pleasure having you on. Where can Anytime. people find you if they want to get a hold of you? Where, where's best to get in contact with you? Um, if you're looking for gigs and stuff, just hit us up on social media or uh, you'll find us on our email music at outlook.com. Yeah. Um, I just give me a shout anytime if anybody's yeah. needing anything. I'll post on, to play a gig. Yeah, I'll post your links and stuff. Um buy links and stuff like that so people can Aye, definitely, definitely. We're always posting stuff on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and stuff, so feel free to give us a shout for anything. Thank you very much for coming on. Anytime, Martin. Thank you very much. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Time for Heroes podcast. If you would like to get in touch, the best way is on the Facebook page, Time for Heroes podcast or on Instagram at Time for Heroes Podcast, or Twitter at Time for Heroes P1, or drop me an email at Time for Heroes Pod at gmail.com. You'll find Time for Heroes on all podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Google, and Amazon. Please leave a review where you can share with others and more importantly enjoy. Yeah.